Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon, and inevitably this business of having two podcasts a week, it's already fallen apart. <laughs> uh, this is a podcast, uh, but it's not the interview that I was hoping to bring you because I haven't done it yet. Um, and it's no one's fault. I was going to interview Scott Donaldson at the Championship League. Unfortunately, his table just overran massively, so our schedules were not aligned. However, I am going to interview Scott uh, over the weekend, so that will be Monday's podcast, so the, it will still come out. Um, but, you know, it's a very common phrase these days. I got the big calls right. That's what people say when they made a mess of things. I got the big calls right. And so this is going to be a short podcast uh, to sort of fulfil my promise to the country um, to do two a week uh, with feedback uh, from our big episode this week, the fan special. Uh, we had three snooker fans on, Kelly Barker, Brian Dobson and Joe Richards, and they talked about their experiences of attending snooker tournaments. We've had uh, some feedback and... Uh, including from World Snooker Tour. So there were a few criticisms made. I like to think they were constructive uh, of the way WST run the tournaments. Um, and the fans, you know, they pay their own money. They're entitled to make these comments. And they suggested uh, some improvements. And, and there were complaints as well. Now, I warn you, this uh, this reply I got from them does include an extraordinary pun. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So... Here's the uh, here's the, the the statement, if you like, from World Snooker Tour. They say we do appreciate feedback from fans and we do listen to them. Kelly's comment about us not giving a monkeys is a shame because that's not the case at all. We do post-event online surveys at every tournament, which are filled in by thousands of fans. So that gives us a good overview of what people like and dislike. We also work with an industry-leading partner who specialise in the whole area of fan experience, fan data, and the strategy behind events and the location of venues. Obviously, we can't implement every idea suggested by fans, but there's a decision-making process behind everything we do. Thanks to the fans who took part, and anyone can email us at info at wst.tv. I'll to say that again because I made a mess of it. Yeah, can email us at info at wst.tv with feedback. Now, here comes the pun. Particularly to the guy who suggested more Mexican food at tournaments. We'll taco that idea on board. Well, we'll, we'll move, we'll move past the pun. Um, it's, I appreciate the uh, reply. 
and I, I did actually mean to, I, I know they do these uh, these surveys so I, I did I meant to mention that actually because I do know that they ask fans to um to fill things and I forgot to mention it um however I have to say you know when they say they take all this feedback on board in terms of location of venues it's not entirely true because for example Brentwood I know for a fact they get it for free so that's why they're going to Brentwood because they're not paying for it uh, <laughs> so it's not entirely true but uh, I, it's equally it's a valid point worth making that they do have uh, a facility for people to actually give feedback and you know they, they are hamstrung by certain things and money is, is one of them but um, anyway I, I thank you for listening to uh, to what we said and by the way um uh, it's hit the uh, it's hit the YouTube streets today. If you if you want to watch if you watch myself and and Sam Fletcher from Will Snooker Tour walking around a park for twenty five minutes talking, it's on YouTube. Uh, we went we were in Leicester and uh, Sam's a very enthusiastic young man and uh, and yeah we walked around <laughs> we walked around the park for half an hour talking about all sorts of things. So that's on YouTube. Uh, now the other uh, replies we've had Adam Fisher. Uh, he's got a few points here. He said, merchandise, merchandise stalls at events are, quite frankly, dull, uninspiring, and must operate at a loss. Who wants an official WST t-shirt or mug, a Jimmy White keyring, or an overpriced snooker rulebook? The only merchandise I'd be interested in are books. Why isn't there a snooker bookstall? I often hear of rare books, i.e. Stuart Petman's, that I'd love to get hold of. WST should get the rights to a lot of these books and flog them at all events. Uh, I'm sure they'd sell well. Amongst the snooker nerds, book launches at events would go down well. Notes that I'm eagerly waiting for someone to write, write the bestseller, Norbreck Adventures. There must be some golden stories that will simply get lost if someone doesn't write them down. Uh, thank you, uh, Adam, for that point. I'm sorry, I'm just distracted because the, it's, it's, the BBC News have flashed up that Boris Johnson is actually going to resign. <laughs> uh, talk about the writing on the wall. Anyway, uh, yeah, the problem with the, the old books is actually a lot of them are just out of print. So actually getting hold of them is difficult. You know, that's why if you go on Amazon, it seems they're either sort of 5p or about 300 quid. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would be popular if anyone's got a sort of collection of them and they uh, maybe sold them at a tournament. That would be uh, that would be popular. Uh, Adam continues, no mention of the English Open at Barnsley in 2017. What a cheapskate job that was. Pure desperation. I attended a day there, and I particularly remember having an awkward stare eyeball-to-eyeball eyeball with the then three-time world champion Mark Selby. I don't know who was more embarrassed to be there, me or him. He was slumped in a chair, which was way too small for him, in the leisure centre cafe, with random local kids running around in armbands causing havoc. Parents screaming, some kids in fancy dress, snooker players in bow ties with cues in hands, queuing for jacket potatoes, OAPs shuffling around precariously with trays of coffee, and a loud, distorted sound system was blasting out... Barnsley UPVC window adver advertisements. If an alien was dropped into this scene, it'd certainly have a hard time working out what was going on. To top this off, I remember hearing, I think this was the same event, that Stuart Bingham would spend breaks sleeping in his car. Ronnie wasn't wrong, he said snooker was a car boot sale sport. I'm sure Barnsley made Crawley look like the Albert Hall. Also, it was on this day that the old lady ran laps around the table and Ronnie let her take a shot. I saw this event unfold in real time. Before she got up and ran, she was standing up and down like a yo-yo for a good while. This didn't put the players off because there were a lot of distractions and noise during that session, including loud aircon and a man in the front <laughs> and a man in the front that was hooked up to an oxygen mask and cylinder that was pretty loud. Ronnie complained about the latter, and upon learning this was someone's life support system, he instantly apologised to the chap and went about his business as usual. It was a weird atmosphere, something wasn't right, so it didn't surprise me when she entered the floor. 
<laughs> what an extraordinary email that is. Well, that's yeah, that was Barnsley. Um, again, it's a similar kind of... A lot of complaints have been about these leisure centres. Um, and it seems that because of all the other things going on that you've described there, it's not always uh, the most sort of comfortable... Um, comfortable place to you know go and watch uh, go and watch snooker uh tommy O'Prey, a few things i'd suggest to improve the game are as follows have a different i'll answer these one by one tommy um have a different dress code for each tournament the worlds could remain the same and potentially every final of the triple crown events but vary it up a bit even a smart shirt or polo shirt depending on the events which could be available to the public to buy at the arena Fashion companies could potentially be interested in sponsorship too. I think I've said before, I'm not that bothered about the dress code. Um, I quite like the smart clothes and there is evidence that um, in places like China and around the world, actually, it's one of the selling points of snooker is the fact that they're wearing these suits. A lot of people find, feel it's old-fashioned and things should move on. I don't mind a sort of smart shirt. So it, it's not something I will get excited about either way, but it's, a, it's an idea, of course. Uh, now, uh, Tommy continues, listen to the players. WP would say need to hear what the players are saying and probably consider implementing changes. The pay situation, already discussed at length, being top of the list. No one should work for free. At the very least, establish a mileage allowance and contribute towards fuel costs, i.e. 40p per mile, multiplied by the distance to event from players' home addresses, along with a basic hotel allowance. The WP would say could do five sponsorships a year, so any player ranked below... Uh, the top 16 goes into a draw and gets a £10,000 sponsorship. Not exactly a wage, but a definite incentive. I don't agree with that latter point. That would create absolute mayhem if they, were, if they gave just five players 10 grand each. You know, I mean, you can just imagine the, the scream-ups because it, it, it would be literally a lottery. The mileage idea, I think, is actually a good one. Um, I think that is a good... A, a, a sort of it would recognise that not everyone, for example, lives in Leicester. You know, Ben Wollaston can get to the morning side in 10 minutes... Scott Donaldson is going to take him five hours. So that's actually not, not a bad idea at all. Um, when you say they listen to the players, the problem is that the players all say different things, usually depending on where they are in the rankings. Uh, so, for example, this mixed doubles event, a lot of lower-ranked players who basically just don't understand how broadcasting and the commercial world works say it's a disgrace that there's an event for just eight players. Well, it, it's happening because a broadcaster wants it to happen. <laughs> So that's it. That's that's end of story. The, the most important component of a professional sport is the is the uh, the manner in which it's professional, and it's professional because it's funded by money, and the money comes from broadcasters. Number one, ticket sales and sponsorship as well. They're the three ways that money comes into the sport. So if a broadcaster wants to put money in to show a particular event, then they should show that event. Simple as that. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that's a different point. Speaking of doubles, uh, t Tommy continues, a random draw doubles event, rather than the standard two players representing the same country, just have a random draw. The winners could also nominate a charity for a small pot of prize money to be awarded to. Combinations could make interesting viewing. Mark Williams had that idea, and I thought it was a good one, actually. Um, the charity element, I'm not so sure about, really. I mean, if people want to give to charity, that they can do that themselves. But uh, the random draw, I, I quite like that idea. Tommy says, more tournaments in Scotland or in the north of England. I used to go to the shootout every year in Blackpool. Living in the north of Scotland, it's now just too expensive to travel. And having only one event in Scotland is quite poor. Again, I suppose the problem, Tommy, with that is that, you know, someone needs to fund these tournaments. It's, it's all very well saying, well, let's have three more tournaments in Scotland. Who's going to, who, which broadcaster is going to show them? Who's going to sponsor them? You know, this is the problem. It's, get, it's, it's the market, isn't it? Supply and demand. If the demand's there, fine. 
but the, the evidence is that that, that uh, you know there, there isn't the money in the pot to put more tournaments on at the moment. Uh, now, uh, a competition, WST competition, like a raffle or online draw, the winners get tickets for a big event, hotel and travel costs covered. Second place, tickets to the Masters or the UK. Third place, entry to a smaller event. Some signed photos could also be prizes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, they could do that definitely on their app, which is no good, as we know. But if they relaunch it, you know, every day, why not, during tournaments, ticket giveaways, you know, a sense of excitement about, oh, you can come to the tournament. We're doing it on the, the uh, Championship League coverage on Free Sports. We're giving away, most days, actually, tickets to the Champion of Champions, you know, and it's a way of just engaging viewers and Obviously, people are going to be winning tickets and coming along. Uh, Tommy says, I could go on, but I won't. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. It's great to hear you back. Well, thank you, Tommy, and thank you for your uh, thoughts and ideas. And uh, actually, he sent another email here. He says, he talk speaking of encounters with players, I feel I need to share mine. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, Stephen Hendry was at the opening of a kitchen shop in Air, Scotland, where I lived. I was a young boy and took along my snooker book to be signed. Stephen joked about signing his name on the face of a picture of Steve Davis. I don't recall if he did or not, because sadly that book was lost to a charity shop during a later house move. If anyone has it, I'd love to buy it back. It has some paint on it too, from a wall mural that was done. <laughs> well, if that book, I mean, it's out there somewhere. So Someone someone may know where it is, so if anyone can track it down, uh, do let us know. Uh, Scott McCarter, I write as I'm listening to your fans episode with Kelly, Joe and Brian. Can I raise a question about something very specific? The format and promotion of my favourite non-crucible outside of the Northern Ireland Open tournament, the Tour Championship. I've no objection to the slot in the season just before the world suits long matches and is a good warm-up for Sheffield, but I wish that it would be promoted more as a tournament rather than just the snooker equivalent of Prince Charles at the state opening of Parliament staring at the crown, i.e. knowing that the big moment is coming, but not yet. We, <laughs> we know that the world is the biggest tournament, but the promotion of the Tour Championship could be enhanced by having an earlier cut-off point so that the TV and fans have more of an idea which players will make up the field. Is this possible? I also think a return of a best of 25 final will be good. Thank you, Scott. Uh, on the point of the final, I I'm not bothered about that, to be honest. I, I don't mind the best of 19. But, um, I mean, you're leaning against an open door here. That the I've said before, like, there's an eight-man event. Now, to me, the Tour Championship, it's a bit like the ATP finals, the WTA finals in tennis. Um, it's a big event for the very elite. I mean, it's the most elite tournament on the circuit. It's the top eight uh, of the season. There is a massive chance to promote that uh, really is one of the game's majors. Um, but there isn't time if there's a very narrow window between uh, the tournament and the previous tournament. For example, last year, there was one day uh, between Gibraltar, you know, where the field was finally settled, and the actual Tour Championship. Now, looking at the calendar for this season, at the moment, uh, there is more of an opportunity because there's a week uh, between the Turkish Masters and the Tour Championship. I'd like to see, there's only eight players, I'd like to see a media day that week, where all eight players go to Hull, where the tournament is, it didn't actually have to be Hull, it could be anywhere, but it makes sense to be at the venue and promote the event. I'm sure ITV, the broadcasters, would like that. I know they've had problems uh, with the the Players Series events where, you know, they're trying to obviously prepare for the tournaments. And then literally the night before, the draw is still being decided by a tournament that's still on. And here's the difference, OK? The BBC... Obviously, they show the UK Championship, the Masters, and the World Championship. And the cutoff of the Masters is at the end of the World Championship, at the end of the UK Championship. They make the draw in the arena. Okay, that will be this season on the twentieth of November. There are two ranking events following that: the Scottish Open and the English Open that do not count towards the Masters. 
So the BBC get, well, basically six or seven weeks um, to know what the draw is. And there's definite um, benefits to selling tickets if people know specifically who's playing who and when. I get that. But ITV for the Players' Championship, which is the 20th of February, they won't know the, the confirmed lineup for that until the night before when the Welsh Open concludes in Clandudno. So we're in Clandudno for the Welsh and Wolverhampton for the Players' Championship the next day. And it's impossible to, for example, the TV guides to tell people who's playing when because we won't know, because we won't know the exact draw or who's in that tournament till the night before. So why not have the cut-off for the German Masters, which is finishes on the 5th of February? Of course, the answer is because we want all events to count, but they don't count for the Masters. So there's a definite, uh, well, double standards there, actually. Um, one broadcaster gets seven weeks and one gets seven hours. How is that right? It's not, is the answer. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that the Tour Championship should have more promotion. It's interesting, though. I mean, I'm not, I don't believe there's three majors. Um, a lot of people do, and that's fine. But the people who do believe there are three majors think there should be a fourth. Um, do World Snooker won a fourth? Uh, it seems not, because the Tour Championship is an obvious one. And a lot of players will tell you they, they regard it as third or even second. Um, actually, players who get in that tournament because it's such an achievement to get in it. A lot of them say we think this is bigger than the UK Championship. I'm not sure I actually agree with that, but that's what they say. Anyway, uh, that, so that's it, Scott has, has touched on something here about scheduling, which is actually very interesting. I think, and I agree with his central point, which is that the Tour Championship should be definitely built up and promoted and given. Uh, you know, it's full due. And, and there's a, as I say, this year there's actually a chance that could happen because there is a week after the previous event uh, where, you know, hopefully a media day or some sort of promotion will take place. There's one more uh, email. It's from Declan Weston. He's not quite on the same thing, but uh, he says, uh, quick question around whether there's any update with regards to the Saudi event. It seems odd that nothing's been mentioned despite the restrictions being minimal over there. Also, do you think Iran is a country where WST would likely look at for hosting, given the success of a same fight? Well, thank you, Declan. Um, the point about uh, Iran, well, I don't know. I mean, it, the snooker is popular there, but uh, I suspect sort of getting an event on would be um, not straightforward. Uh, in terms of Saudi, yeah, we haven't heard anything. And uh, we'll kind of never know, actually, if the pandemic hadn't happened, would that event have taken place or not? Um, it's gone very quiet, um, and I suspect it probably won't happen. And, and of course, it was it was um, going to be for half a million first prize uh, at one point. But um, it seems well, we haven't heard anything about it, so uh, it may come back. But I suspect we probably heard the last of it. Uh, so that's it. It's a short podcast, and uh, as I say, it was supposed to be an interview. That interview will now take place Monday. So you know, the world is. Uh, He's tilted off its axis, but um, keep your thoughts coming. Snooker Scene Podcast at mail.com. That's Snooker Scene Podcast at mail.com. And uh, we're part of, part of the Sports Social Network as well. So check out the other podcasts. Uh, I did deliver. I've made the, I've call, made the big calls. I've got the big calls right, whatever it is. Uh, and <laughs> a rather shambolic episode comes to an end. We'll be back next week and hopefully... Uh, I'll get a chance to speak to Scott and all the other matters of importance as well will be discussed but for now goodbye bye Sports Social Podcast Network